We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Celtics lose a close one against the Philadelphia 76ers, last possession of the game. We're going to recap that. Plus, we have an awesome interview with Esfandiar Barahini, who covers the NBA and primarily the Raptors. That'll be on the second part of this show. But right now, just stay tuned and we're going to have you covered. Let's jump right into the morning box score, everybody. So we've got Jalen Brown had a stinker of a game, uh, disappeared for large stretches offensively, just couldn't get it going defensively. I don't really think he made much of an impact. Didn't really get going on the glass either. Finished with 11 points, two assists, one steal, two rebounds, and a couple of turnovers had four in total. You know, it's JB. He's going to have his good days. He's going to have his bad days. Usually with the way the Celtics lineup is built right now, when Brown has a bad game, it's fine because you can lean on Tatum, you can lean on Paul Zingas, White, Drew. The problem is when multiple guys have a bad game, you're going to have a bad time, and that's exactly what happened here. Tatum finished the game as the third in the Celtics shot chart. So he only he Derek White and Paul Zingas took more shots than Jason Tatum. I don't know about you, but if I've got an All-NBA guy on my team who's pretty much a consensus top 10, top 12 guy, I've got him higher than top 10. So I've got him in like the top seven. You run the offense through him. He ended the game with 14 shots, 16 points, done some work on the glass, got 15 rebounds, got some six assists, three steals. He put in a shift, but I just don't feel like he was utilized enough. Chris Depp's Paul Zingas was the guy that the Celtics decided to run everything through, primarily because Embiid wasn't really guarding him straight up. So they were looking to draw Embiid out and then utilize Paul Zingas as a role guy or as a pick-and-pop threat. He ended the game 29 points. 10 of 19 from the field, 2 of 6 from deep. Both of those two came in the fourth quarter down the stretch. Two clutch buckets as well. Six rebounds, three assists. Most of those assists came out of delay actions. It was solid. Derek White on his first game back from having another child. Congratulations to him and uh, his wife. He went 6 of 18. I feel like he shouldn't have had the amount of shots that he did. You know, four more than Tatum when you're meant to be like the fourth guy in the offensive rotation just doesn't make sense. White's had a really strong start to the season. I wouldn't say this was a letdown. I'd just say he was overutilized offensively. Done some work defensively. Came up with a block. Two steals. Ended with five assists, four rebounds. All in all, a great night. Just shouldn't have had the usage rate that he had. Drew Holiday, 12 points, five assists, one steal, five rebounds. Pretty good night. Only took nine shots in total. Shot 44% on them. His off-ball movement was vital. If you follow me on social media, head over to my Twitter account. There's... um. 
a play that I posted there where his off-ball creation created um, an easy roll for Porzingis to get an easy lob. Really nice construction, nice heady play by Drew. He's just bringing IQ into the game. Sam Hauser gave us 13 points, five of eight shooting from um, five of eight shooting from the field, three of six from deep, four rebounds. Can't complain. He's he's found his rhythm. He's hitting his shots. He's doing exactly what's asked of him. However, Peyton Pritchard, 0 of four from the field, did come up with some rebounds, couple of offensive, you know, corner crashes. Pritchard does what Pritchard does. But this is another goose egg from him. He wanted a bigger role. He was very vocal about wanting to be a contributor to this team or another team that he felt like he could produce if given that bigger slot. And he isn't producing right now. I've got faith he's going to figure it out. It's only seven games. You know, he had a really strong preseason. Everybody who's a shooter slumps. It just so happens that the slump came just as the season got rolling. We'll see how that works out in the next week or two. That leads us to Al Horford. One of six from the field. Horford's also struggling, coming off the bench and scoring, shooting around about 25% from deep on the season, around about 35% from the field on the season. He's never really been a big points-per-game guy. His impact comes defensively, the way he screens, the way he boxes out. But you need some contribution from Al Horford in terms of scoring. You need at least 10 points from him. He took six shots. We're not asking him to make four or five every game, especially when all six of those came from deep. But one for six and like two for 10 or whatever he's been going the last few games, it's just not enough. You need more contribution off your veteran big man. He's adjusting to a new role that's going to take some time. So that that kind of finishes the morning box score. It was a rough night. I'm not going to go through the Sixers because you can just head over to a Sixers podcast for that. I ain't here to blow smoke up their ass. I will tell you that Tyrese Maxey is a problem. He is so quick, really forces the pace in transition, really active hands on the passing lane, great defender. The Celtics are going to have to figure out how to guard him. They're going to see him another three times in the regular season. Looking at the way the playoffs have trended last few years, they're probably going to see him in the postseason too. It feels like Maxi is a better fit next to Embiid than what Harden was, just because of the pace that Maxi can play at. You can put Embiid in trail situations. He's the last one down the floor. You can kick it out to him. He could shoot the three, or he can drive a closeout because Embiid can do that. You know, um, you can you can ask him to just delay actions on like dribbling it out, gnashing, and then find Embiid in the post. Maxi's a problem. Luckily. The Celtics have two of the best defensive guards in the league in Derek White and Drew Holiday. They're going to figure it out. They have some film on him now. But Maxi controlled this game. He controlled the pace of the game. He controlled the flow of the game. And Bede was the best player on the floor. Maxi was probably the most impactful. And that's a big difference, right? Like being able to contain somebody like Maxi that's there to create havoc that then funnels plays through to Embiid if you can contain Maxi you're kind of containing Embiid at the same time because now he has to hunt for his own offense a little bit more the team has to kind of figure out new ways to feed him figure out different actions to try and make things work the key to beating the Sixers team at least with the way they played yesterday is containing Maxi and that's going to be tough man he's an all-star for a reason he's probably going to be an all-star again this year his scoring average is way up there it's gonna take a it's gonna take an effort, but you know, seven games in, I feel like you've got some film there now. You can figure it out, and then we get to Embiid. Come on, man, he's an MVP. He shot fifty percent. I went back and watched all of his shots. I think there were six shot attempts where he didn't have more less than one. Right, he had one hand in his face on pretty much every shot. Had didn't have less than two hands in his face on pretty on. So what did took twenty? So fourteen shots. He had two hands in his face. That means he only took six. Where it was still. 
pretty much tightly contested. I think one was an open mid-range that Horford just decided not to contest. Like, if you make it cool. But the rest of the time, he had a hand in his face. So they defended him well. It's just sometimes you can contain a guy. You're not going to stop him. And apparently containing Embiid is him going 50% from the field. Figure out how to stop people teeing him up. Figure out how to stop people running actions that get him into his spot. Frustrate him. Pick him up high. Get physical with him. Wear him out. These are things that we all know. But again, Nick Nurse is coaching now. It's not as heliocentric as it was under Doc, where everything was just give Embiid the ball and let him ISO. They're running stuff to get Embiid into position. They're running stuff to get him into rhythm. Figuring out how to stop what they're running is going to be the key to figuring out how to limit Embiid. The Celtics have a great coaching staff this year. I'm not concerned. It sucks to lose on pretty much the final play of the game. It was a really good look. just didn't go in. Paul Zingas had hit a few. It is what it is, right? Like two losses in two games. That sucks too. But keep in perspective, you lose the first. Your first loss of the season is an overtime loss. Your second loss of the season is on the last play of the game. Both games, you didn't really control the flow. You were kind of playing catch-up pretty much all the way. You got in front and you kind of, you know, you took your foot off the gas or they made a surge or whatever happened. But you still found your way back. Last season... This team gets down the way they got down against Philly, the way they got down against Minnesota. I don't think they bounce back the way they do. There's a lot more mental toughness there, and I hate talking about mental toughness in sports. I'm very big on, you made it to the pros, so you're mentally tough because the shit you had to do to get to the pros in the first place is what most people wouldn't even be willing to do or capable of doing. So I don't like talking about mental toughness in that sense, but these guys are overcoming adversity on the fly. They're figuring it out. They're dominating at stretches and then you know there's times where you're not dominating the nba is stacked with talent right now the eastern conference is better than it has been you've got multiple stars that you're going to be facing multiple times a season you can't win all 82 you just it's not possible i genuinely believe that being upset over two losses in seven games yeah i get it but it's not the sky isn't falling guys people are going to figure this shit out big props i want to give some big props to Jason Tatum's willingness to take a step back. Like, he obviously realized early that his shot wasn't really feeling it. They were throwing Embiid onto him at times. They've uh, PJ Tucker was on him. They were switching guys on and off him, showing him different looks, throwing doubles, trapping him, trying to ice pick and rolls. They were doing a lot. So he went into more of a facilitator role. I still think that that's on the Celtics then, the coaching staff, the players, to figure out how to get Tatum into better positions, to figure out how to run actions, to force switches, to take those doubles away if he passes out of a double team what can you do to then open him back up elsewhere and feed him the ball back he's your best player there's no reason he should be taking 14 shots when somebody else has got 19 and then Derek white has 18. it's it just no, it doesn't make sense to me you should always feed your best player and even if he's not the one scoring you know there's rebounding opportunities he can be driving more it just felt very passive from Tatum, and I don't know whether that was a coaching decision or whether that was just the way the game was flowing and he was having an impact defensively. He was the best rebounder on the team. He was creating stuff offensively in terms of pick and roll assists, in terms of just the way his movement was. But this was like at times you're like, well, why is Tatum there? Like you're either going to pull him and then not use him at all, or you're going to feature him more because he should be featured more. Just a big issue I had with it. I think that's my biggest takeaway from this game is just why the sh yeah, why wasn't he featured more? I went to swear, but I've swore twice, and I'm trying not to swear as much when I do these but shows, especially when I'm on my own. 
because I default to swearing when I'm trying to, like, it's a filler word for me. I can't be filling episodes with about 20 different curse words, man. So I've got to try and fill it with maybe pauses, maybe stops. When it's a solo, I speak a bit quicker too, so I do apologize. The accent's probably throwing people off. But that's pretty much the, the quick recap here. So I'm going to let everybody go. I'm going to let everybody flow into this interview between Greg and S. Shout out to S, one of the best people you will ever meet. Super friendly guy, really knowledgeable, works his ass off. And again, he's just an awesome all-around person. So please stay tuned to that interview. One of my favorite people in NBA media, one of the biggest rising stars on social media in terms of NBA coverage. I don't have not anything bad to say about this guy. He's honestly one of my favorite people. So stick around, check out Greg. Greg's the man. He's going to have you covered for the next 30 to 45 minutes. I'm going to be listening to it too today. So I don't even know really what they're speaking about. So I'm excited to get into that too. We'll be back again over the weekend, maybe Monday, but there's a game Friday. So you'll probably hear from us either before Friday, like as a preview or after Friday as a recap. If it's a recap, I will not be there. I will be sleeping. So you will hear from me over the weekend or on Monday. Everybody, let us know your thoughts on this game. Like, There's a comment section for a reason, right? Share your opinions. Let's have a dialogue about it. Some people are going to be pissed. Other people are going to see the bigger picture. And some people are going to be somewhere in between. And that's fine, right? No one's trying to tell you how to be a fan. Like, Everybody's entitled to have their opinions and have their say. I want to hear them. There's, let's use that comment section. Let's fill it up. I'll be willing to. I'll probably be jumping in and out through the next 24 hours to jump in and give my take or, you know, hear you out maybe you know we can all learn from each other so i look forward to interacting with whoever decides to jump in the comments and until then i'll catch you soon stick around for s and greg we got we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Toronto in the building, S. Barahini in the house, um, S. NBA reporter for SD, SDPN Sports, the You're objective right. basketball pod, uh, one of the co-hosts there, big time Toronto Raptors guy, Toronto in the building, S. How you doing, brother? 
I'm good, man. I'm good. Appreciate you having me on. This is like my uh, favorite Celtics pod. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's, yeah, no, for real. It's, it's good to catch up uh, as always. So ready to talk Celtics. I know we got a big game on Saturday. Dude, we have a big game. We have a big game. But first, man, I was doing some research on my guy and I came across Esfandiar Barahini's IMDB page today. Oh God. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and bro, I, I am not gonna I'm not gonna show it for everybody, but go check it out. You got some <laughs> acting chops, dude. You can act. <laughs> you can act a little bit. Yeah, man. Yeah. No, I mean, look, yeah, that's like the uh that's my uh that's my alternate what is it? Uh, secret identity, whatever it is. I don't oh, know how to put it out anymore, there. man. It is not secret. No, no. I, I mean, no, I don't, I don't like, I don't make it secret to anybody. Anybody right. who can, can kind of look it up, but yeah, yeah. Let me, I, let me, I do some acting chops on the side, can, man. I can show people just this man. I, this is one image, bro. <laughs> Your face. Oh my God. Look at the passion on your face, yeah. the tears in oh, yeah. the eyes. Man, you oh, are yeah. confronting someone about some real shit in this. Um, <laughs> dude, the the very beginning of this reel where you're talking to the girl that's uh hanging out on her stuff. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. What was that from, man? That was that was very charming. I was like, I would have invited that guy up to my apartment too. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's actually it's part of a short film that I'm doing. Uh we actually just finished wrapping it like I don't know, like a month ago uh and yeah I'm, I'm actually really excited for that to come out it's been a work in progress i've actually written my own short film as well that i'm hoping i can uh produce over the next couple of years so we'll see how that goes but yeah man acting is sort of like the the second love here for, for I what i do that, basketball man. is yeah man. I, I love that so this has me thinking because i don't know what your algorithm feeds you on instagram i just followed you on instagram by the way um okay don't. and Recently, I made the mistake of clicking on like one ad for a bathroom renovation. So now my algorithm is just 100% home improvement project. <laughs> but before, because I'm I'm in a band and uh, you know I'm trying to learn how to mix music and all that. Oh yeah, I yeah. I, I saw some like I th I think it was for some audio stuff because I I know that you're a hip hop head and yeah. it looked like you. Have you ever done any modeling for like any sort <laughs> no, of Instagram ads? No, okay. I have not. When I, I have dude, not. When I, I see this, when I see this ad, I'm gonna take a picture of it. And send <laughs> okay, dude. I I have one of those faces. Everybody's like, "Oh, you look like this person. You have you look like that person." I just have one of those faces. I don't know what it is, but yeah. But hey. I I don't even know, man. I honestly don't know, dog. But like sometimes people will just like stop me on the street, be like, "Hey, I, I you look like this guy I know," and it's like, "I'm sorry, I'm not that guy. I'm I'm not that guy." Dude, yeah. I've gotten that my whole life, man. It's so funny because like now I got facial hair, right? But before I, you know, baby face, yeah. I look like a different person. My fiance says that when I shave my face, I go from Greg to Craig. So <laughs> <laughs> no, no facial hair. I become Craig. But there's so many times because I live down here in Austin, Texas, and I look like a, you know, a fair amount of people that, that live down here. I get stopped all the time. And I was a teacher for a little bit. So mm -hmm. I'm always wondering, like, oh, is this a former student of mine that's like remembering right, right. me from yeah. somewhere, but they can't quite make the connection. But it's yeah. funny, man, when you have one of those faces and people stop you on the street and you're like, sorry, bro, I, I ain't that guy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I don't know. I don't know what it is, man. I don't know. But yeah, you're right. Maybe it's just like just like different archetypes of people. You remind people of someone. I don't know what right. it is, but right. yeah. Yeah. That's thank cool, you for bringing was... up. the man. Yeah, I appreciate you. Dude, Thanks for the plug. I... <laughs> I was um I was pleasantly surprised. You know, you're a cool guy, so I figured 
you know, you, you'd at least Perception. the charisma would at least come through. But I, you, you had a wide range of emotions there in that reel. I can see yes, why sir. somebody would hire you. I'm excited. <laughs> hey, yo, um, when I'm going to connect you with my buddy, Phil, um, Phil, he's a, a movie producer based out of Boston. Oh. But he lived out in L.A. for a little bit. He worked for he used to work for this company called Burn Later. But one of his films won the South by Southwest Film Festival last year um, oh, that's for dope. comedy. Yeah, that's but really I'll connect dope. you with him so you guys, okay. you guys can chat. Cool. Yeah, that's really cool dope. Dude. He that's listens really dope. to the pod, so he'll probably just like oh, want to yeah. hit you up anyway. Uh, so but we're, we're here. We're not, we're not here to promote S's acting. We're here to talk about <laughs> basketball as much as much fun as that is. Celtics Raptors coming up this Saturday. Um I just want to hear from your perspective yep. what's going on with the Raptors this season. Uh, I tuned into the the game against the Spurs where I saw the Raptors come back. So that's the only sample size that I have right now. Yeah. Uh, well, that was an awesome game to tune into just because like uh, it shows you, it kind of gave you a, a, a read of everything. Uh, their half court offense struggled immensely in that game. They were really, really trying to get advantages but they just couldn't Wemby's interior presence was really a problem in the first half they weren't able to cause turnovers they weren't able to get out and transition and like that's the Raptors ethos as far as like what they're trying to do this season is hey let's run the ball a lot let's score a ton in transition and let's hang our hat on the defensive end and they didn't do that a lot in the first half of the Spurs game second half came and they adjusted, they played better defense, and Scotty Barnes showed out and absolutely dominated. And that's sort of been the recipe throughout this season so far. It's, hey, the defense will will be there. Second half, Scotty is going to come in and, and try to take this thing home. And I think that's sort of what we can expect on Saturday as well. It's Saturday that they're playing, right? Yes. Uh, um, yeah. And the time we, record, we're recording we can on Wednesday, so Raptors are currently three and four right now. Yes, uh, and they play the Mavs tonight, so we'll see what happens there. But ultimately, I think that's what the Raptors' game plan is throughout the season. It's, hey, we're going to be a force on the defensive end. We're going to be dominant on the defensive end. And then we're going to try to use that to get out and transition a bunch. If the transition game isn't working, our half-court offense is going to struggle. We're going to look to Scotty Barnes to see what he can do and what he can create out of that. And I'm actually working on a big-time big Scotty Barnes article right now. So um, that's that's sort of what has my mind captivated. But yeah, that's that's the game plan when it comes to the Raptors this season. Well, we got to talk about Scotty. I don't know if you remember, but Scotty's my guy. I made the yes, I remember yeah. year two Giannis. The first time I saw him play in the in the preseason his yeah. rookie year, I said he looked like year two Giannis and Kumpo. Obviously, Scotty struggled last year. So, what is it about? So, what's the new coach's name again? Darko Ryakovic. Okay, so what is I'm not going to say the last name. What is Darko's? <laughs> um, what is Darko doing for Scotty that has allowed Scotty to kind of step up into this new role that Nick Nurse wasn't allowing him to do? Yeah, I think he is, first of all, he's just getting more opportunity. Um, obviously, with Fred Van Vliet gone, there's just more opportunity on the team to take, and he's been taking that opportunity. He's having a career high in, you know, career high in usage rate, career high in touches. So, like, a lot of the things are flowing through Scotty this season. So, it's just allowing him to do more things. And as far as their offensive approach, as far as, like, what they're doing to be different, um, I don't want to say it's like a completely different style than what Nick Nurse was doing, but, you know, Darko has been trying to pr promote this unselfish brand of basketball. The Raptors were near the top of the league in isolation frequency last year, so they're trying to get away from that, and that helps a guy like Scotty Barnes, who is so good at making quick decisions, such a great playmaker for his size. 
Uh, and it's really helped open up his playmaking. It's helped open up his scoring a little bit too. And obviously, like I mentioned earlier, with them being you know a transition team, he's such a good transition star that uh, it just makes a lot of sense for them to play this way. So their play style is kind of curtailing. It's tailoring to to Scotty, but at the same time, he's taking advantage of that. And that's great to see, man. You know, so many people were down on him after last year, which wasn't like wasn't really his fault. Yeah, he didn't shoot the ball that well, but the the team wasn't designed for him to be the focal point, right? And with yeah. Darko's new system, it does seem like he's getting a lot more of those opportunities. One thing that I'm loving out of Scotty, obviously the shooting percentages are very high right now. The the yeah. buzzword around every NBA podcast at this point in the year is sample size. So small sample size, <laughs> but Scotty Barnes is shooting the hell out of the ball. I was so, so impressed with him and OG. I think in that uh, Spurs game, OG had like eight threes yeah. or something like that. Some crazy number. Yep. And they both look like, um, I don't know if they're, they're more empowered. They have a green light to shoot the ball that maybe Nick Nurse didn't give them. It seems like the ball is less in the hands of Siakam. Um, so what do you, mm -hmm. how are you seeing um, Siakam's place within this offense? And then also just your thoughts on OG. Yeah, I mean, look, just to quickly go on OG, he fits perfectly well with Scotty and what they want to do. Like, uh, it hasn't been super successful yet, just because they don't have the shooting to to work with. But when it's been Scotty Barnes plus OG plus you know Gary Trent Jr. and Grady Dick and all them, like just a bunch of shooting next to him, it has looked really fun and really good offensively, just because he can work so well with guys like that. Uh, so that's why OG excels. He's like two-way performance, one of the best defenders in the league, but he can also shoot the hell out of the ball. So he works really well with a guy like Scotty Barnes. As far as Pascal, um, you know, to be honest with you, I think him and Pascal are being put in similar positions. Uh, mm. that, although, to be fair, I think Scotty, just because of the ball handling responsibilities, has been given more to do. Um, another wrinkle to this is like, where Scotty is in actions this year compared to where he was last year is almost a swap with Pascal. So like, let's say they're, let's say they're running like horns. Okay. Which is very, very common set, like two guys at the top of the elbows for free throw line extended. Like they're, they're operating as either screeners or dribble handoff hubs or whatever. Right. Um, and usually Scotty would either be last year, Scotty would be in camped out in the corner, spacing the floor, or maybe he'll be one of the screeners, right? But now you're seeing Scotty is either the ball handler in this situation or he's one of the screeners, you know, operating as sort of like the primary read out of that horn set would be for a guy like Scotty. You know, he gets the mismatch in the post. That's like Scotty's to feast on. And I, I, I think that's probably the biggest difference between this year and last year is just they're, they're focusing on him a little bit more to be in those situations that Pascal was last year. And he's making the most out of it, making great passes, quick decisions, and obviously shooting the hell out of the ball, which is like a huge part of this. Like the fact that he's shooting, I, I literally just wrote it in my article. So I can I can read you an excerpt if you'd like. <laughs> um, okay, look, it goes without saying that Barnes is doing uh, – what Barnes is doing right now as a shooter is unprecedented. He is shooting a whopping 42% from behind the arc on 5.4 attempts a game, which would put him in the top 20 to start the year as far as high-volume shooting goes. Yeah. Can I stop you real quick? I want you to read the the next part in LeBron James British accent. A LeBron James British accent. Okay. Hey, it was on uh, your reel. It was on your reel. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I did say I could do a British accent. Um, I don't know if I can do LeBron James, but okay, we'll try it. We'll try it. Okay. Um, 
he's hitting on 69% of his long range, mid range jumpers, which is unparalleled. For example, the best Kevin Durant has ever shot on long mid range jumpers is 58%. And he is one of the greatest mid range scorers of all time. DeMar DeRozan, DeMar DeRozan another great mid range scorer, his career best 49%. So, <laughs> that being said, so that Let's being go. said, <laughs> that being said, it's like what he's doing is clearly not going to be sustainable, but it's a good sign that he's headed towards the right direction. So even if he doesn't shoot, he's obviously not going to shoot 40% from three this season, but if he can land at like 35, 36, you know, something like that. I think it would be a really positive sign for his growth moving forward as a shooter. Like, it, and is it mostly the, catch and shoot? Yeah, yeah. Uh, hold on, let me see. I have that here too. Um, Scotty is shooting thirty-four. Sorry, forty-three percent on four catch and shoot attempts this season. He's shooting forty okay. percent on nearly two pull-up threes as well. So, like, the pull-up percentage is probably going to drop. He was at thirty-one percent in his rookie year, twenty-one percent in his second year. He'll probably be somewhere around like thirty-two percent this year. Um, but then, if the catch and shoot stays at like thirty-seven, thirty-eight. Then you're looking at someone who's like a 35, 36% shooter. And like, I've, I've also went back and looked at Kawhi's numbers, Pascal's numbers, Jimmy Butler's numbers, and two of your players numbers, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, as far as like tracking shooting development and seeing how they kind of compare. And honestly, yo, Tatum and Brown, incredible shooting development. Like I've just looking at the numbers. Wow. The way they, they kind of progressed in their careers. Don't think Scotty will ever get to that level, but there are other players that are comparable. I think like Jimmy Butler is an interesting case there where his mid-range shooting became really potent, but the three-point shot never really developed. You know, there's always playoff Jimmy, et cetera, et cetera. But like, there's a, there's an example there. There's a sample there for him to actually maybe potentially become a decent three-point shooter in this league. And when you say he's pulling up, Right. I, I don't know how the NBA is currently defining pull up jump shots um, mm -hmm. off, the, off the dribble. But, you know, is is he dancing behind screens in the horns is, you know, pulling up like a, a classic point guard doing some step back threes? Like, how, how are he how is he getting those pull up three pointers? They in transition. Mm -hmm. No, I would I'd probably say, well, no, not in transition as much. I think um, like you saw the you saw the shot that he hit on Keldon Johnson in mm -hmm. the fourth quarter the step back three, right? right? It's, it's stuff like that, right? Okay. Like, uh, which is impressive. Like it's like isolation situations. You need a jumper. He just kind of pulls up and he makes it right. Um, he's hitting on a lot of those right now. It probably, again, it probably won't sustain. I don't think he's going to hit 40% of his pull up threes, but like those are the type of shots he's hitting and making. And the jumper does look better now. So, I mean, if he, if he opens his range and if he, he's scoring like this, like, man, you're looking at an all NBA player versus a guy who's going to be like a multi-time, multi-time all-star. You know what I mean? Yeah. I love that for Scotty. Another guy that I want to talk about is Schroeder, man. Schroeder's mm -hmm. come into Toronto. He's looked really good. He obviously had a great summer. Um, yeah. what he's averaging 8.9 assists. Now, with yeah. Schroeder getting assists, sometimes, you know, when, when he was in Boston, sometimes he would have selfish assists, um, you know, where, where it's like, is, is that really the right basketball play? Did you, like, kind of the Rondo, the, the way that Rondo might get assists back in the day, where you know I think he's, he's doing that again, ball. by the way. He's, <laughs> okay. he's definitely doing that again. <laughs> okay. I, okay. Even, even, like, even, like, looking back at some of the assists, you're just like, man, they are juicing Schroeder's assist numbers because, like, you know, the, he'll pass the ball and then the guy who catches it will maybe do like a one-two pull-up dribble or something like that. Like he'll create the advantage himself 
and Schroeder mm-hmm. will still be credited with the assist. So it's like, right. ah, I don't know. I don't know if that's necessarily an assist, but whatever. We'll take it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So what, what else have you seen from him? Last year, what impressed me so much about Dennis Schroeder and actually made me think back to when the Celtics got rid of him because we struggled so much at the point of attack against the Warriors in the finals was how right. good he was on ball. Has that continued yep. this year? Absolutely. Yeah. He, his defense, his defense has been incredible. Um, he's just so quick, so feisty at the point of attack and like just his ability to pressure the ball has been so important for the Raptors defense. Like this team is going to hang its hat on just pressuring the hell out of you on defense and they're going to try to force turnovers because of it. I think Schroeder is a big part of that. Now, like offensively, he's shooting 45% from three. Like that's not going to last. You know what I mean? That a lot, a lot of these guys are shooting well above their weight when it comes to three point percentage. And some of that is going to like normalize, but on the defensive side, there's no question what Schroeder brings. He's been incredible uh, at the point of attack. So yeah, he's, he's been good, man. Pretty, pretty good so far. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com Good for him, man. I, I, I like to see that. He was getting a bad rap, you know, a couple of years ago. People were kind of considering Dennis Schroeder a piece of trash, you know, one man's trash becomes another man's treasure. I'm glad to see that people are valuing him at this point. Um, Other guys I just want to touch on really quickly uh, before we start talking about my squad. So Gary Trent's a guy that I've kind of always been down on. I think he's been a little bit overrated even as a shooter throughout his career. I think it's more theoretical than what you actually see in the game. Um, And then precious. I know precious is your boy. Uh, Will and I mentioned Precious on the last pod as somebody that, you know, although we see the potential, we generally disagree with most of the decisions that he makes on a court whenever we tune in. We were this, <laughs> this was in the context of Car Anthony Towns. I'm not going to put Precious in the, in the same, okay, in the same fair, conversation as that for bad decision making. Um, but where are those two guys right now? How are you seeing those, their development? Yeah, uh, Gary is what he is in terms, like, I kind of agree with you. I'm sort of where you're at with Gary in terms of, like, he is a shooter, but he's also an extremely streaky shooter, and his game is pretty limited outside of that. So when his shot isn't falling, there's not much that he can contribute for you, um, which is, I mean, it's really disappointing, obviously. But I think, um, yeah, they they need a guy like that uh, off the bench to be shooting. And like, if you look at his three point percentage month to month for the last couple of seasons since he's been a Raptor, it's like up down, up down, up down. It's just very, very inconsistent. So it's just it comes with a guy who's a microwave score. You got to kind of live with that when you have a player like that. If you can ever become a consistent shooter, that's a completely different story. When it comes to Precious, you're, you're probably also right in the sense that like he has such tantalizing 
uh, aspects about his game. Like he's a hyper athlete. He's one of the best athletes in the NBA. He's a really, really solid defender, can guard multiple positions too. Um, he had that stretch post all-star break, I believe two years ago where he was shooting like 40% from three, but it just hasn't materialized into anything consistently. And it's unfortunate because this season he's been sort of derailed with, um, with injuries too. And I don't know if he'll end up playing on Saturday versus Boston, but he's, he's an interesting player. And I think at the, at the very least the Raptors, you know, he's headed into restricted free agency this year. Uh, I imagine they re-sign him. Uh, and maybe to like a smaller deal just to see what else they have there because he's he could be an important part of this team if he ever becomes what what he could be you know what I mean for sure so is your start in five right now uh Schroeder Barnes and Anobi Siakam and Pirtle yep yep okay so let's talk about the matchup on Saturday Celtics and Raptors um have you tuned in to see the spectacle that is the 2023-2024 Boston (laughs) Celtics yet Yes. Yeah, I have. I watched the game against the Knicks uh, and then I watched uh, Monday's game versus the Timberwolves, which was freaking awesome. That was uh, an incredible game. Like I, I mean, maybe not for you guys, but it was, it was was an awesome awesome game. Great game. game. (laughs) Yeah. uh, I mean, look, Ant versus Tatum, they were going back and forth. Jalen Brown had an incredible first half. Like he was Mm -hmm. dunking on everybody. It, it was a really, really fun game to watch. Um, Kudos to the Timberwolves, who just like defensively locked in very, very well. And I love what they're doing on the defensive side of the ball. But I guess my main takeaways from the Celtics this season is, my God, how much space they have (laughs) on the offensive end of the floor. And it's like it's in complete contrast to the Raptors, right? The Raptors, you see Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam down there working in a closet of space. And then I watch the Celtics game and it's like five out basketball. Jason Tatum is getting straight line drives and it just, it looks beautiful, you know? And I I had tweeted this, uh, I don't know, maybe I think a day before the the Timberwolves game, but Tatum is averaging a career high in field goal percentage on drives, like, and by a mile, like he, I think he's shooting like 70% on drives and he's has a career high in drives. And like all of that has to do with the fact that, Chris Stops is out there playing the five, so you can space out the floor more. Horford is obviously a shooter, so that doesn't drop off too much for you. I am really, really excited for the Celtics team. And like it's just it's fun, man. I I I hate to say this because I felt like I said it to y'all last year, but I really <laughs> think this is the year. I, I think this is the year. Uh yes, just curse. What is it about yeah, I'm, Toronto, I'm, Toronto people cursing, cursing with your prediction? I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, but Drake, I, man. <laughs> I, man, I just like everything that you guys have done this offseason, how the team looks, uh, how they've kind of galvanized together the veterans that are on the team and Drew and Horford and you have Chris Stops that is in, in there now. The leaps that Tatum has taken this year, I think he's gotten stronger. He's gotten bigger. Uh, and he's just attacking the basket more. I think it just makes so much sense that this is the team that's going to win the championship this year. At least, at least, you know, we're, we're, we're eight games in nine games in. they look like the team that right. is going to win it. But uh, yeah, I've liked you guys so far. Right? Man. At least come out of the East. And the thing yeah. with Tatum, you know, the spacing that you mentioned, I think that's so important for a long wing like him who doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. have the quickest feet, right? He doesn't have the pitter patter in his game. It's all these yeah. long, beautiful strides where he does need that extra space to that's let him yeah. flow. Right. Mm-hmm. So when you see him and also he's gotten stronger, but he's also 
buying into 0.5 basketball just a little bit more. Um, he's catching and going off the rip, uh, which which has been something that Celtics fans have been dying to see. Not as much like James Harden. You know how James Harden just doesn't shoot spot up threes. He takes the, yeah. the rhythm dribble and all that. Tatum has a little bit in that, in that of that in his game. But this year, you know, there's a big emphasis to get him going on the post. Um, he yeah. loves the Smitty on the baseline, spinning back to the baseline and finishing over people. Um, but I think the spacing that Chris Stapps is pre- providing is the thing that's standing out to me because uh, Scalabrini, who's our um, you know color commentator on, on the broadcast, he keeps like yelling at Jalen Brown during the game. You can almost hear him like trying to coach Jalen from the sidelines where he's like, Jalen Brown has so much space. Like when Jalen's in the mid post and Tatum or Chris Stapps is at the top of the key, they're not going to help off and they're not going to dig down. You have all this extra space to work in the mid range. And I think they're still getting used to that because the double big lineup under, under Ime, you know, was what they preferred. Um, and then last year, the spacer was Horford, who, yeah, he can space the floor, but he's not a threat where the defense is really worried about him. Like, you're right. not leaving Chris Stapps at the top. You could, in a big moment, leave Horford and live with the result, right? You're just not going to let Chris Stapps shoot a walk-in three um, right. off, of, off a double. So there's just so much more space for the Celtics. You're 100% right. They look great. The big issue, though, bro, and I don't know if you felt this during the T-Wolves game, is the depth. Peyton well, Pritchard. Yeah. Peyton well, Pritchard. Yes. We bet big on Peyton Pritchard to do anything this year, and Peyton Pritchard yeah. has done nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, yeah. I mean, look, that was going to be the concern coming into this year for the Celtics. I think that was that was uh, the, like that was going to be the thing with this team. But I also think like they're in a pretty good position to make that midseason trade to shore up their depth. Uh, you know, I, I believe you guys have a few picks still in the cache. We do, uh, and we have a bunch of second round picks, right? Uh, and I think you know, there's guys like Jordan Walsh that might be interesting. Maybe Peyton Pritchard is someone they end up. You know, I mean, I'm just I, like I think there's a world in which this team makes an upgrade and maybe makes an upgrade in the size department too. Just gets like another big body out there. Um, a guy I've actually, I thought has, would be awesome for you guys is Chris Boucher. Like, I think he would make a lot of sense for this team, uh, just in terms of like big body can be like a weak, weak side rim protector for you is pretty good on the offensive rebounds. Uh, doesn't need to play a ton of minutes or have a ton of usage, but he's just going to go out and be an energy big. Uh, and I think he could be big, honestly, I, like some, something like that. You know what I mean? What's his contract? Um, I think it's one year, 13 million. He's an expiring. Okay. Yeah. I think yeah. Pritchard, Pritchard. Uh, yeah. We, I mean, I don't, we can make a deal right now. I'd have to look up the salary. Uh, <laughs> Pritchard, Walsh, Cornette, something like that might, might get sure. us close enough. Um, what are your thoughts on Rob Williams going down, man? Yeah, man. That's tough. That's tough. And oh, I, I mean, so bad. Yeah. He, yeah, I know. I know, man. And like, he's never been healthy. Like his, his knee, even before being drafted to the NBA, he's always had knee issues. So it's just, mm-hmm. it's tough to see him have another knee issue, man. Um, and yeah, I hope he gets better. I hope, I hope he's, you know, gets to the point where he can consistently play in his career, but it's tough. And I mean, I guess from a Celtics point of view, it makes that trade look a little bit better, right? Like you guys are like, Oh, okay. Well, you know, I, we can, yeah, it, it, it sucks to say it that way, but like, from a, a Celtics point of view, I guess you can be like, "Hey, yeah, I guess we we kind of won that deal or whatever." Right. You, w- you wish him well, but 
It, yeah. uh, if, if that had happened this year and we knew that we had an opportunity to get Chris Tapps and just like imagine a different world in which another contender gets Chris Tapps or, or whatever it is. I think that he was in the Drew, he was in the Drew trade, but, um, right. you know, so another contender gets Drew. Let's just say that we, we don't want to make that deal. Drew ends up on the heat and we see the heat thriving with Drew Holiday. We'd all be upset. You know, it's yeah. just straight up. We'd all be upset about that. But, you yeah, know, you're right. my guy, I wish him well. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. When it comes to the depth concerns, I'm like, I'm less concerned about that just because it might be an issue now when, you know, some guy's going to go down, you're going to ask another guy to chip in or whatever. But in the playoffs, the Nuggets went like seven deep and one. And if you can go like seven deep, you should be okay. Right now they're six, right? They got six very, very strong players. Mm -hmm. And like, if Pritchard can steal some minutes for you, uh, if I don't know if you guys have played O'Shea Brissett a ton this year, but I feel like he might have he might a be able to help. So here, here's the thing with Brissett. I actually Lamar like Stevens. Yeah, but that's yeah. my guy. I like Lamar Stevens. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing with Brissett is I actually look at him more as a playoff player versus um, an 82 game player. The reason I say that is I love I love his energy. I love his physicality. And I think yeah. he's actually a good matchups for some teams that give us issues, mainly the heat. I think he mm-hmm. does a really good job just being big and athletic against a guy like Jimmy Butler. Um, I think Lamar Stevens also has guarded guys like Giannis in the past. He can guard a Bam Adebayo yeah. in, a, in a pinch. So I think the the theory behind having those guys on the roster is more for um playoff matchups i don't necessarily think either of them i think Brissett probably could end up um you know locking himself into the ninth man role on this team but i think they're going to experiment a lot during the regular season i think pritchard and hauser are going to be the guys that get get the get the chances just because the second unit's been entrusted to jason tatum and if you yeah. want the ball in Jason Tatum's hands, you're going to want shooter space in the floor for him. As we mentioned earlier, Pritchard, obviously great shooter Hauser as well. Brissett doesn't really offer that, but Brissett does offer a lot of hustle. He's going to crash the glass. Uh, he's, he's a Can- Canadian dude, right? He is. Yeah. Yeah. He's R- a Canadian R- guy. R- yeah. He's a, I'm pretty sure he's from Mississauga. So he's like just outside of Toronto. Okay. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cool. Um, no, I agree with you, man. And Hauser, like, he's obviously going to be a big part of this three point shooting wise, just space in the floor. Maybe Cornette can give you some good minutes. Like I think there's it, there's enough there for you to salvage through the 82 game season. And then if they do address something at the deadline, it's like, okay, you know, we got whatever X player, let it be Chris Boucher. I don't know. I'm just saying like you got this player, that's your seven or eight man rotation right there. And you can confidently go into the playoffs with that. In my opinion. Uh, Now I know there's like a lot of pressure, on the Celtics this season, especially given like the last couple of years and what they've done this summer to kind of address things and, and whatnot. I wanted to ask you, right? What is like the bare minimum they have to do this year for you to be like, okay, good season. I'm happy. Let's try this again next year. They have to, well, health, obviously, if one sure. of the guys goes yeah, down, yeah. that, you know, it's like, oh shit, we got Chris Tapps, but he got hurt again, something like that. Uh, yeah. But I, I think that's the biggest thing. You know, I don't think there's a lot of pre. I honestly don't think there's a lot of pressure on this team in terms of the on-court product. I think it's just, can they stay healthy? I think they're so overwhelmingly devastating for all other teams that I just mm-hmm. don't think anybody in the East is really going to be able to hang with them. If I'm being completely honest with you. Um, I, I don't know what you've seen from the bucks. I haven't liked what I've seen thus far. I think there's a lot of holes that the Celtics would be very, like very easily could exploit. So for me, 
they got to get out of the East. You know, if they're healthy, mm-hmm. they got to get out of the East. And then depending on the matchup in the finals, man, like if if we go up against the Nuggets, I think it's pretty hard to pick against the Nuggets at this point just because Jokic really is that dude. But if it's anybody other than the Nuggets, I think the Celtics should be favored to win. I'd be disappointed if they didn't. If they played the Nuggets, I would, you know, take it to seven games, you know, really, really push right. them to their limits. And then game seven, we'll see what happens. Um, but definitely getting out of the East. NBA finals appearance. And then we'll see if Jason Tatum's ready for that to, to really be that dude, man. Yeah. Fair enough, man. Fair enough. I mean, how about with, how I like about with the Raptors? Um, as soon as a Pascal Siakam trade happens, then ask me. Yeah. I, is pretty much my question. Like I, I just, this team is so in a transitionary period um, that it just feels like they're sort of playing the waiting game to see what the next, when I'm sort of playing the waiting game to see when that next shoe drops. Right. Right. Uh, And I I think that's, that's sort of where everybody is at with this team right now. It's like, yeah, they're cool. Oh my God. Scotty Barnes is doing well. Hey, we're excited for what's coming in the future with Scotty and whoever else is there, but ultimately let's get there quicker. Let's, let's go ahead and and start this thing up. Right. Um, Yeah. I I don't want to say you want draft picks. You want young players for Pascal. I would probably prefer, I mean, hell, I, I pr- probably prefer a combination of both. But uh, if I had to, if I had to, I'd probably prioritize players y- like younger prospects that make sense for this team because right, fit they can't. Yeah, they can't go into like too much of a rebuild because they have their pick protected to the the Spurs this year, a top six protected pick. So they can't like suck suck this year. They mm-hmm. have to be somewhat decent. Um, and so, yeah, if, if they can get away with, hey, we've got like, we got two rotation players plus a young prospect for Pascal Siakam, I think that makes a lot of sense. And if they can kind of move forward with it, whatever that ends up being, the 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 better. I just think like at this point, a lot of Raptors fans, a lot of people would probably agree with you. It's like, we are just waiting to see what the next iteration of this team is. The team is in a holding period at this point, transitioning to whatever the next iteration of this team is. You know what I mean? For sure. Have you seen any fake trades out there for Pascal that have kind of tickled your fancy? There's a bunch, man. There's a bunch out there. Uh, give me, I give mean, me one. I, give me one. <laughs> there's just so many. Um, yeah. Okay. Let's see. Uh, I mean, I I love the Hawks one. I I'm a fan of the Hawks one. I just don't think it'll happen anymore because Jalen Johnson has been so good. Uh, AJ Griffin, Kobe Bufkin, plus I think like DeAndre Hunter would be the salary going out or something like that. And then, yeah, that would be essentially the deal. Maybe you get a pick out of that too. I don't know. But yeah, something along the lines of that. I just, I don't think that happens anymore because Jalen Johnson has really broke out hooping. for the Hawks hooping. this year. Like he, yeah, he's hooping. Yeah. And like, I, I don't think, I don't think the Hawks revisit that conversation. Uh, Indiana, uh, some people mm. have said like Buddy Heald, Andrew Nembard, a couple picks. That's a goes steal. To, yeah. That's a great, yeah, great, great move. And I think Indiana would look really good too with Pascal. So I I don't think that happens again. Like, I I, I don't know. My I opinion on this is- I love it. I love Nemhard. Yeah, me gone. too, man. Me too. Uh, my opinion on this is Pascal probably wants to go to a contender. Like he wants to go to a place where he can win almost immediately. So that jumps to mind is like, obviously Boston doesn't have the tools to go out and get him, but like, hey, maybe there's, you know, Dallas who thinks they're good this season or Golden State who is like maybe we're one piece away or LA, the Lakers who have kind of got off to a sluggish start here. Maybe they think they're, you know, they need a Pascal Siakam on the wings. Those type of teams kind of jump out to me. And the trades they can give 
I think sort of work out to maybe Philly, you know, Philly just, mm-hmm. just opened up some max cap space. Maybe they're a team that goes after Pascal, especially with the Nick nurse connection, but that's where this team is at right now. It's like, Hey, Scotty has been awesome. The team sucks, but Scotty has been great. And we're looking forward to see what the, the the next iteration of this team is with Scotty Barnes because, hey, he looks like he's ready to take that leap or has taken that leap already. Horford, Hauser, Pritchard, and Hicks. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan Walsher, I'm walking away. No, no, I, 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 Jordan Walsh, I'm excited to see Jordan Walsh. I think he I think he could play. All right. Yeah. I, I, I want to be respectful of your time. A couple more things. How much time do you have with me? Hey, wh- whatever you need, man. No worries. Okay, cool. A um, couple other things I want to talk about. One, NBA in-season tournament. I'm sure you've talked about it on your pod. I'm a big fan. I like anything yeah. that's going to draw more um, casual fans into the games. I'm excited for what's going to happen in Vegas. I talked with Will on the last pod. I'm a believer that if you put competitive people in a competitive environment, they're naturally going to compete. What are your thoughts? I completely agree with you. Like, point blank, I just – I com- I agree with everything you said. I just think there's no downside, man, to the in-season tournament. What is, there is literally no downside. You can't convince me that there's anything bad that's going to happen because of the in-season tournament. It's good. They probably are going to make some tweaks as they go along here, uh, you know, for, for future years, but so far so good, man. I like it. I love it. And I love the, like the courts have been uh, hit or miss in terms of how they look, but I love the fact that they're like willing to try. Let's get creative. Why the hell not? You know? Yeah. And I think the, 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 Biggest point that I've heard, uh, I forget where I heard it, but someone's like, if the casual fan turns on the game and they see this weird court, then they're like, what the hell's going on? It's like, oh, it's the NBA yeah. in season tournament. It's like, oh, what's that? Why are the courts right. looking like it's just going to draw attention? So you, it's like almost peacock. Exactly. Right. It was actually, I, th- I think Adam Silver said that literally today in his really thing. like the idea, the idea behind the courts was like if some casual person is flipping through the channels and sees this weird blue court they're like what the hell is going on uh and they jump on so i i totally agree with you man there's there's no downside to this thing at all cool if you i i feel better about my opinion now because i respect your opinions on most things so i I feel pretty good about that um okay last thing dude i saw you tweet about it today what the hell's going on with the mean girls trailer (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> dude, I, like, I, I saw it and I, I know, watching it and I'm like, okay, so what's the take? Is it like, are they going to bring back Lindsay Lohan all grown up? Is Regina George going to be are they, right, right, children? Right, yeah. And they're, it seems like they're just doing the movie again. It's just a reboot. Yeah. I, I don't understand it. Uh, okay. But also to be fair, I think someone provided some context to me afterwards okay. that th- th- it's going to be a musical. And apparently there was a musical that was going around for years called mean girls which they you know they kind of turned it into a musical number and they're making a movie version of the musical so it's not a it's not a reboot of the original it's a reboot of the musical which has been on broadway for years they didn't show that in the trailer though they they showed it as if it's an actual movie (laughs) this is some tracy jordan logic from fucking 30 rock man i don't know man yeah i don't know i I saw you post that today and i was like like thinking like what's the hook what's the hook where and then then they're repeating all of the scenes like they they went like a little bit different demographics with some of the characters it's because the same fucking movie no, yeah, it it literally is like it looks like it's the exact same movie. If it's a musical, all right, cool. We'll see how it is and and how it's supposed to be. Apparently, a lot of people love the musical, but okay. um, 
Yeah, I got some pushback today online of that. Of that, Like, you don't know it's a musical. This is supposed to be a musical version of the movie. It's like, I didn't know. I, I didn't even show it in the trailer. How the hell am I supposed to know? Right. You know? So you're not plugged yeah. in, man. You're not plugged in. I'm not, man. I'm not I'm plugged in on the on the mean girls vibe. I'm sorry. No, me neither. Me neither. But I appreciate you coming through. Um, can you t- let the people know where to find you and tell them what the name of this new short film is? Because, you know, I, I, I'm going to watch it. <laughs> when it comes up, I will be tuning in. I appreciate it, man. It's called the 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 short film is called Fire Escape. I have no idea when it's going to come out. I don't even I don't even know if you're going to be able to watch it. You know, they're going to submit it for like film festivals and stuff like that. So I don't know when it's going to come out. Um, but you can check me out if you like basketball uh, at SDPN Sports uh, on literally everything. I am at Just S Barahini on Twitter and pretty much all social medias. There you go. Look, you see it right there. Um, so yeah, you can follow me on there. I do a bunch of other things as well. And uh, yeah, that's about it, man. Greg, I appreciate you, brother. Dude, this was fun. Looking forward to the next time. Hey, if you need a Celtics guy, I saw you spinning oh, the wheel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm, I'm yes. there. I'm on it. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I, I might have to get the whole crew. I might have to do like a whole a three person, you know, just get yeah, everybody in there. We're called the three man weave. That is true. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. We're going to play you out with some music for my band down here in Austin, Texas. This is called Get This High Black Sheep Optimist. Peace. Thanks, S. Dope. Appreciate you. Till I hit the floor Every time I get this high It's you I find It don't take much no more Until I'm at your door to my core, baby. What can I say? You got me on the floor. You know I came to play. I know I shouldn't, but you seem to take my pain away. And every time I score, Jason Tatum fade away. I close my eyes and I'm floating your river. I call to see if you open. You know I hope you deliver. Every time you getting close, I still be sick with the shivers. But there's nothing like that first time. I still remember the first time I saw you. You were looking so fine, chill like lo-fi, watch you go by, it was all I could do to say hi, I still remember the first time I saw you, you were looking so fine, chill like lo-fi, I did all I could do to stay high, oh oh.
everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.